Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome back to the Falcoholic Live, episode 241. I am your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host, Adnan Ikit, at Ikitch, at Say Which Way, on the Twitters. Was, was going into the at a little too early there. Uh, Adnan, it's been, uh, we've been on a brief hiatus here. We're back. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. I was going to say, how do you, I would hope you'd have my name down by now. I think I've yeah. been on like, at the very Probably least. like 100 episodes at this point, right? Yeah, at the very least, if not even more. But um, yeah, no, I'm doing well. I'm I'm enjoying the summer downtime, you know, a little bit. You know, there's not, I mean, you know, we're enjoying the playoffs, enjoying some Atlanta Braves baseball out here. But I don't know, I was thinking about it the other day and I was talking about it with uh, with one of my friends. It sucks, like it sucks not being in season, but I feel like this is, you know, a bit necessary. And I think this is a debate to have with, uh, you know, amongst the amongst the viewers, but you know, you can't, I feel like it, it's not healthy for us to always be 24-7, like always stressed out over the Falcons or over like, you know, sports in general. I mean, sure, like some people are stressed over regular season Braves baseball, but you shouldn't be. There's like 160 of these games. But it's like, it, it, you know, this this off-season time, this off-period time where we can just like chill out a little bit and just, you know, take a breath, take it in, take a enjoy the moment i feel like it's it's very necessary even if even if we're not huge fans of it all the time yeah no you're absolutely right and it is nice to get a little bit of a break uh for us because we we grind from like training camp in like late july all the way through to basically the end of the draft in may so we have to take advantage of our uh couple of months where there's just not so much going on and it makes you it does make you like more excited for the season when you're not like constantly in it all the time. So I think it's it's what it's gonna be a welcome uh reprieve for two months, but by reprieve, you know, we're not gonna be not doing shows. We'll we'll still be doing uh weekly shows. I'll probably still be doing at least one podcast a week. Uh we may have a few weeks off here and there for vacations or other things, but uh we'll still be here, we'll still be talking. Maybe we'll get to some of those, you know, random pods we've been tweezing, you know, like the theology podcast or the politics podcast. You know, <laughs> we'll, maybe we'll we'll do some fun stuff uh when it gets into the deep, deep dead zone. But for now we still have a couple of, of major topics to discuss. One of them is the schedule release, but seeing as that was like a week ago now, I figured maybe we'll just do that at a later point, maybe next week, because uh, we do have some actual news in terms of the roster to break down here um, with a, quite a few moves. I think it was like 14 or 15 moves being made just over the last couple days. Uh, rookie minicamp is wrapped up, um, so I figured what, we would dive into some rostery stuff, some newsy stuff, and then get, get back to the schedule, maybe do like a whole sort of... Uh, very, very early predictions go through the schedule game by game, that sort of thing. Save that, save that, tuck that away for, you know, after we're through OTAs or something like that. But, um, yeah, there's there's still plenty to talk about. And, um, again, a lot of moves made. Um, Falcons did say goodbye to some players that I definitely thought would at least stick around through training camp. Brought in some interesting names as well, including, I think, three or four XFL players at this point, which I think was the most of any team in the NFL. So, um yeah, let's uh, let's dive into some stuff before we do. Of course, want to uh, get to today's sponsor, BetOnline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, including info, stats, news, and scores. You can currently get the latest odds and lines for this year's NBA playoffs. We're almost to the NBA Finals. Uh, if you're feeling you know frisky on the Miami Heat, I'm sure you could get great odds on them to upset the. The Celtics, I mean, I don't know anything about basketball. I saw some stat where it was like a 97% chance that they were going to lose. So I'm guessing the odds are probably pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't listen to those ESPN stats. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they haven't always been great for the NFL. But, you know, no matter what you do, uh, you can bet on it on betonline.ag, your sports intel headquarters this season, as they've got you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs, including basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, golf to UFC, boxing, NFL futures, whatever you like. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. It's also on the top left or 
yeah, top left if you're watching, on video to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And uh, we got a couple of people asking what I'm drinking. It's just uh, vodka and, and, and grapefruit juice. Um, I'm uh, trying to take it a little bit easy after the last week of, of being in Biloxi. Um, I think me and my, my buddies, I got together with all my high school buddies. Uh, and those guys know how to put away beers. So I believe we went through 120 beers. There were eight people there, but that was uh, that may have been a new record. So, um, yeah. So before we dive into the the roster cuts, I did want to call attention to a particular egregious take. Maybe this will be a, a good summer segment. You know, we can just do like the worst take of the week or something. But I'm not even going to give the the guy uh, a, a shout out because it was that outlandish that I'm wondering if they were just farming for for interactions but if you're if you've been on Twitter over the past couple of days you've probably seen it there was a uh, a tweet referencing a podcast where someone had said that the Bijan Robinson taking Bijan Robinson at eight would still be a bad pick even if Bijan Robinson became a Hall of Famer uh, Adnan you know what what do you think about that take <laughs> it's egregiously stupid and ridiculous. If you take a Hall of Famer anywhere, it's it's a, a home run pick. Like, do you know how hard it is to become a Hall of Famer in the NFL? Like, what you so you're telling me right now? Like, do you know who the Hall of Famers are? So, Bijan Robinson going into the draft was compared to two Hall of Famers. Um, one was Ladainian Tomlinson, and one was Marshall Falk. And you know, I need not even mention the resumes of both of those guys. Um, but one of the things about it is if the Falcons are guaranteed LaDainian Tomlinson to pick eight or Marshall Falk, or even like, you know, someone who isn't really on that level, but is still on that hall of fame level, like, um, I don't know, like, let's say a Terrell Davis, um, that would still be an amazing pick at number eight. Like, so I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so sick of this, like really like dumb narrative of oh the falcons got a running back so now no matter what that pick is going to be terrible like shit i don't know like are are you telling me like 2008 like uh the jets take vernon golson at number six that was a premium position defensive end are you sell, are you saying that that like wasn't a terrible pick because that was a defensive end or you know the the jacks take Derek harvey at number eight like are you telling me that if the falcons had gotten a middling path are you telling me that you would be happier if the Falcons got someone like a Lucas Van Ness, who's like, you know, he's technically a pass rusher that's an in-demand position, um, instead of B. John Robinson? And, I mean, I, I get that people are upset over the Jalen Carter, like overpassing on Jalen Carter. My advice is to just get the fuck over it at this point. <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm honestly really sick of just listening to, to Georgia fans, my fellow Georgia fans, just like complaining about, oh, the Falcons never take any Bulldogs, and, you know, the Falcons, you know, should have taken Jalen. Like, there's a reason why Carter wasn't on there for it. Like, just respect respect the process. We don't understand. We don't give 30% of the information that these teams have, and obviously he wasn't BPA on their board. Bijan Robinson was, and I think they talked ad nauseum about Bijan Robinson as a person, about not having to really worry about any off the field issues with B.O. John Robinson. Uh, you and I both really like the pick. Um, you and I both really actually love the pick. I I would have preferred Carter myself. I would have taken Carter at eight. They didn't, but I'm not going to sit here crying over it all off season and into next season. The same way that, you know, I wasn't crying over them passing on, on Jordan Davis last year. And, you know, lo and behold, Jordan Davis didn't really do much last season. Um, or Nicobe Dean in the third round. Yeah. But, you know, it, it is what it is, and that's that's an egregiously, like, stupid-ass take. Like, that's <laughs> that's literally one of the dumbest things I've heard. Yeah, it's it's just why. I mean, it's, it's like, so... It, like, it's easy to dunk on because it's, like... I, I was like, this can't be real. Like, somebody can't actually think this. Like, I would say even if you take a Hall of Fame kicker, even... Or a Hall of Fame punter, like with a top 10 pick you're probably still hat like happy with that and it's like we've we've gone like so some people have gone so far down the rabbit hole of like value and perceived value and surplus value and contracts and all this and they've like forgotten that like 
the ultimate goal is to just draft good to great players. And the, the best goal of all is to draft Hall of Fame caliber players. These are the type of players that not only shape your team and your franchise forever, they like impact NFL history in like a significant way. Like Bijan becoming a Hall of Famer probably means he's played in a Super Bowl, uh, maybe won a Super Bowl. Um, it also means he's probably had career longevity, which I think is a concern for most running backs, right? That they don't have the longevity. Um, so it would probably mean that he also hit his ceiling and, and did everything that we had hoped for. <laughs> so it's just wild to me that you would go that far with that take. Like, you know, if, it, if he was like, oh, even if Bijan's a pro bowler, then may, then it would be a bad pick. Like, it's like, well, that's still probably dumb but we did just see tyler huntley make a pro bowl so like okay i guess i could like i'm not gonna be that upset but you know <laughs> uh, i'm measuring it more with all pro at this point because the pro yeah. bowl is just turned into a bit of a joke but i mean like you know I, I named two of the greatest running backs of all time but literally like even less like prime marshawn lynch like l- let's say Mar- like I, I think in my opinion lynch should eventually be a hall of fame or maybe not first ballot but if you are guaranteed a pick eight that you will get a career that prime Marshawn Lynch had, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure we would have both been like, hell yeah, sign me up for that. Cause Lynch was like at one point, just like arguably the best running back in the league for a number of years. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know. Like your hall of famers, you're talking about the likes of, you know, an Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, a current Derrick Henry, like these guys who, like you said, they shape NFL history. And do you know how many Hall of Famers the Falcons have had in their history? Like one, two, that's it, maybe? Like if you count Deion Sanders, <laughs> Falcons, which I mean, like, you know, I think I think kinda, so. But, you know, half the, and half, yeah. yeah, it's like half and half. But like it's him. It's Claude Humphrey. You know, it's going to be Julio will eventually. He's not yet. Tommy Nova yeah. should be. But, you know, that that's just – Jesse Tuggle should be. Th- those are both, like we, – we can go a full hour about yeah, how, yeah. how stupid the NFL has been and how, how blatantly unfair, you know, the voting process has been toward, you know, Nobis especially, but Tuggle too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Falcons have had two Hall of Famers in their history. And you're telling me that, oh, yeah, like the Fal- if Bijan's a Hall of Famer, it's not worth it. Shut the fuck up. Also, <laughs> it's just stupid. by the way, yeah. I'm I'm drinking a zero sugar Canada dry ginger ale. And to oh, answer nice. your question, um, to answer your question, Twizzlers ice cream, it depends. Like Twizzlers flavored ice cream, sure. I would not have ice cream where Twizzlers are like you have pieces of Twizzlers. <laughs> like a Twizzlers Blizzard or something. Yeah, like I don't know. I wouldn't do the pieces, but I would do like a flavored one. And I mean, yeah, Matt Ryan also should also yeah. be a Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, it that one. I I'm worried that's not going to happen. But yeah, only, I am too. Honestly, it's just like but... if if Devontae Freeman picks up that block and that pass is completed, then the Falcons win that Super Bowl. Like one play probably would have changed. Like then he'd be in the Hall of Fame, no question, if he had that Super Bowl ring. So it's it's really yeah. dumb uh, that somebody else's mistake would take that away from him. But you know, and Brandon, I know Tony Gonzalez and Morton Anderson are in the Hall, but Gonzalez technically, I mean, I think he's more of a chief. I he yeah. sure like he he had get, like his great years in Atlanta. Give him like half a point. He he gets to be like half a Falcon. Same yeah. thing with Morton. Morton he gets Morton's yeah. like best like most famous play came in Atlanta. So I think you could probably count him more. But I don't like. But like Claude Humphrey's the only dude where it's like he was like yeah. a Falcon. He was a Falcon Falcon. Like that's a yeah. no doubt. Like absolutely like absolutely 100 percent falcon the other guys were more so like you know she had they played in atlanta but most of their career was spent away from atlanta well yeah. working like yeah. I don't know, like maybe half of it was in atlanta yeah something uh, like that yeah yeah, yeah. remember when we had him on the podcast that was fun times or yeah, that, we was, had him on- that, was, that was great i think he's been he's come on multiple times i think morton uh, so yeah Good stuff. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Morton spent eight years in Atlanta. Morton spent more time as a Saint than as a Falcon. Like we don't, we don't count that. We don't count those years. Yeah. <laughs> no. But yes, it, it's a point. It's a good point. But um, yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, if Bijan's a Hall of Famer, 
exactly zero people will believe that take. I don't even think the person that sent it believes it, to be honest. No, so. <laughs> the Hall of Fame, and someone is griping. Oh, well, we should have taken. We shouldn't have taken him eighth back in 2023. But the sa- they didn't take- save very much on the salary cap, Adnan. They didn't save very uh, much on the salary. You, cap. you know, they they didn't get that defensive lineman. You know that that that's what was in at the time. Yes. No, who knows where the NFL is going in the next decade? Who knows? Yeah. But uh, there was one more take I wanted to get to, just because obviously slow news. Uh, that this one was a little, maybe a little bit less outlandish, but I did think it was worth talking about. Which was Mark Sessler around the NFL uh, podcast participator, also big time writer over at NFL.com, uh, did a piece where it was like one move that he'd like to see every team make, and his move for the Falcons was he wanted Atlanta to trade for Ryan Tannehill, um, and that has definitely sparked a lot of you know debate there so i'm curious i i think i know where you stand on this but i i, I thought it was worth bringing up at least because it was an interesting topic let me look up how much ryan Tannehill makes this year i'm, I'm sorry i don't have yeah i, I, I don't, I don't have the have numbers ryan in front of me off the top of my head guys i know <laughs> I'm, I'm being very unprofessional right now mm-hmm. although you can blame kevin he didn't give me a heads up that we were yeah. gonna so i, I just ambushed you so, Pull the curtain back a little bit about the show. I never know any of what we're going to talk about going into it. I mean, I send like, you like the, you know, like it's like I, I write the article on the site that comes out at five. I usually list the topics on there. You know, you could like read it if you wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but you know, yeah. it's like, but I don't guys, directly send yeah. anything to you. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's yeah, it's like, uh, so, and honestly, I prefer it that way. Like, I, I, I like it this way because I like not having a rigid, like, schedule of, all right, we have to talk about this. We have to give this much time to this. Like, both ways, I understand. I like our way better because it's 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 like water. It's like, like more free-flowing. You know, you and I can, like, start talking about this. Then we can get on a tangent about, like, anything else. Whereas, like, before when I've been on other podcasts and when I've been on other shows, it's like, you know, I get this like list of, all right, we're going to start with this. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. And that's fine. Like, you know, that keeps it organized. That keeps it structured. But, you know, we don't do it here. So I had no idea we were talking about, we were going to be talking about Tannehill. Um, but, you know, he he's a $36 million cap hit. The Falcons would have to pay his base salary and I think his restructure, right? The restructure um, would fall under the trading team? No. Or is that it? So all of the prorated bonus money is... So the Falcons would be on the hook for $27 million. That, That's right. what they yeah, take so, away. So it would just be the $27 million. The, yeah. the The Titans take his prorated. They take his signing yeah, bonus. Yeah, they take all the restructure oh. and signing bonus, yeah. Yeah, so the Falcons don't have $27 million to burn. Um, I think the Falcons, uh, after signing the draft class... How much are the Falcons out right now? Like less than 10 something like that yeah like the only the only like feasible scenario where i can even see that being a possibility with Tannehill, and this is his last year is if the titans agree to pay off a significant significant amount of his money and if they take back like a sixth rounder in compensation then it's like all right we can have a conversation the conversation can't even it, yeah. it won't even, like, get to a conversation unless the Titans are eating, like, 20 million of that at the very least, if not more. Yeah. The Falcons could, like, restructure a bunch of deals and things like that, but I don't really think they're, they're inclined to, to do that. Yeah, so um, it's it doesn't really make any financial sense, like Adon's saying. Uh, I don't think it makes any roster sense either. Um you know, I, I think that the, there was, I think, a, a pathway for Tannehill to, to end up here in Atlanta. I think that was something that we talked about, like, earlier in the process. But it would have had to have been with the Titans cutting him. Um, and if the Titans had cut him, I think they would have loved to have him as, like, the Taylor Heineke here. Pay him, you know, $8 million or whatever um, to be the, like, backup who could start in a pinch if things went wrong or if there was an injury. Um I think that would have been something that they liked because they know Tannehill knows the system really well and is, you know, that sort of thing. But um, they would never have traded for Tannehill. I don't think anyone would trade for Tannehill. Not that Tannehill's bad, but $27 million is way too much for anyone to take on at this point. So I think the Titans are basically praying for somebody to have a quarterback, desperate quarterback need pop up, most likely due to injury, right? 
not that they're praying for someone to get injured, but like that they're hoping for an opportunity to trade him. But um, I don't think it's going to happen. I Uh, will say I do think, I think if they did, if that scenario did happen and they ended up with Tannehill instead of Heineke, I think there would have been a, a bigger chance of Tannehill overtaking that starting job in, in training camp. Just because I don't think, like, I can see a world, I can picture a world where Arthur Smith wanted to bring in Tannehill to really ride with it this year because he has the veteran presence. He knows that system in and out. But that's that's a moot conversation at this point because the Falcons are not trading for him. They're not cutting him. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> they'll be on the hook for $9.5 million dead cap next year with Tannehill off the roster. Like, they, yes. you know, the... They've really like squeezed blo- squeezed as much out of that rock as they could. Um, and the Falcons, there's a reason why the Falcons have not wanted to restructure anything. Like, have you noticed? Like, the Falcons have not made any restructures. Like, Jake Matthews' contract is the same. Grady Jarrett's contract is the same. Um, this is one of those things where I, I think they really enjoyed having that cap flexibility this year. And next year, they'll have even more. Like, if, guys, if you thought free agency was fun this season, just wait for next season. Like, they're going to have even more money after cuts are made and after roster moves get made. Um, and, you know, they'll be even bigger players in next year's market than they were this year. Like, it, it's going to be a fun few off seasons to be a Falcons fan for sure. Uh, and, you know, I think they really valued that. that. And I think they would restructure if it's really like an impact player, if it's for the right piece. Like I can see a possible restructure happening right now for maybe a Yannick Ngakwe if they decide, all right, we we wanna we wanna go out there. I don't think it'll happen because their pass rush not saying Ngakwe wouldn't be the best pass rusher on the team, but I, I think they've invested a lot into it to the point where I don't think that they would be willing to make that move and pay Ngakwe all that money to yeah. have him as just another option. But right. just an impact player of that caliber or better. Like, I can see it happening, but Ryan Tannehill isn't that. Yeah, no. I, it's It would be really dicey to squeeze in someone that expensive, especially when you... And this will get into our larger roster conversation that we're going to have. Um, that they're honestly, like, pretty stacked... Uh, on the edge, like to where I'm not really sure that they can accommodate another player on the roster without cutting like somebody they're paying money to or somebody they drafted in the second, like on day two over the last couple of years. Like right now I would have like, I don't know. They have, I, I would say they have like seven edge rushers or something like that on the roster. And I think they probably have to keep six. Like now they probably have to keep six unless they want to cut D'Angelo Malone or Zach Harrison or Lorenzo Carter, all these guys that have guaranteed money. So, um, you know, you think maybe Bud Dupree is the most expendable, but his base salary is almost entirely guaranteed, almost $3 million, So it doesn't really seem like they're likely to do that. Um, I mean, if they have someone else just ball out, then of course they might. But um, they're already in a situation where they don't really have room there. So it doesn't seem particularly likely that we'll get another big move there. But there's always, they do still have that, sort of last thing that they can do, right? They can tap into the restructures if for some reason they need to make a, a big move, whether for injury reasons or, or otherwise. Um, so that does lead us like naturally into our sort of like roster conversation and these most recent moves. Um, I'm sure you've, you've seen them by now. Uh, non that the Falcons, I think that was like 15 cuts versus 15 total moves, you know, seven or eight cuts, seven or eight restructures. Um, you know, the Falcons really, making a lot of shuffle type stuff. Um, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting a ton of moves after rookie minicamp. There's always a few, but to get that many was, um, was pretty crazy. And they did do, I think another one, they added a quarterback as well, a uh, fourth quarterback, which was pretty surprising. Um, but let's, let's start it off with the guys they let go of. Um, the big headliner obviously was, Jermaine Effetti, who was the swing tackle last year, was sort of someone I had penciled in as the swing tackle. Uh, what do you think about them moving on from from Effetti? Because now I don't really know that there's an established swing tackle on the roster at all. Uh, yeah, no, that was shocking. Like, I did not expect Effetti to be a starter by any means. But, you know, this is a guy with 
first round pedigree. Um, someone who, you know, has experience in the system. Um, but, you know, he now ends up being a kind of shocking guy. Like, he wasn't really saving that much money from moving on from him, which, you know, probably indicates that, you know, maybe it wasn't just all the on-the-field stuff. Like, that was an issue. Maybe there was some stuff there behind the scenes. I'm not going to really speculate on any of that. But, no, that's that was a really shocking move to me because if Eddie was a fine swing tackle, like, he was a fine guy to be able to put in there you know, if you do get into a pinch and now now the roster is lacking that, I, I'm i sure the team will uh, look for someone who possibly gets cut after training camp, after free agency, or excuse me, uh, after training camp, after the preseason. Like, I, I think they will be on high alert for a potential veteran tackle uh, to, you know, join the ranks. And, you know, we saw that this team... Uh, is not afraid to bring someone in in the middle of training camp and to have them not only compete for, but to win a job. Uh, we saw it with Michael Pruitt last year. He was, you know, an Arthur Smith guy in Tennessee, and he was brought in, I think, I, I think after the first preseason game, if my mm-hmm. memory serves correctly. Yeah. And he ended up being the second tight end on the roster and down the stretch ended up being Desmond Murder's go-to option, low-key. With uh, with uh, uh, Kyle Pitts injured, but yeah, I can definitely, you know, I can def- I I definitely do expect them to go into the regular season with a more established veteran tackle presence behind McGarry and Jake Matthews than what's on the roster today. But the Effetti move did, you know, that 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 did come as a bit of a shock for sure. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. It was it was shocking to me just because they didn't really have another option. I, I think it signals that they probably do like the other. This is like rumors, right? So I, I don't want to say it's substantiated, but there were rumors that Effetti was someone that was kind of difficult to get along with. Um, you know that there may have been some some like a difficult personality there, which it's odd to me. Like Jermaine Effetti, you look at his PFF grades his entire career; he's always been a solid starter at tackle, and those guys typically get paid at least four to five million to be swing tackles at the very least. And this is a guy that started a ton of games. It's only a little bit older than Caleb McGarry. Um, But he was forced to take a vet minimum deal to return to Atlanta last year, like this, this offseason. The Falcons basically waited a couple weeks to resign him. He didn't get a better deal. So they brought him back. But so I I wonder if it's, it's personality related. I I don't know, but maybe the Falcons were like, you know, we're, we're done dealing with that. Or maybe they just really like the guys they have. We did see Josh miles come in. Um, who was a guy that was, I think, a UDFA or a late-round pick that has gotten some snaps here and there. It's graded out well. Now had a few years under his belt in the NFL. Maybe they like that. Uh, Ethan Greenidge, former Saint um, swing tackle guy who just never was able to break through. They have him. You know, they have a couple of UDFA types. You know, Tyler Vrabel from last year. Maybe they like how he's progressed. And they did sign the uh, <clears throat> the XFL tackle, Perry Wesley, who I, I don't know much about. I don't know if anybody watched him play in the uh in the xfl but um they did sign him along with a lot of other xfl players also but um that was definitely the most sort of eyebrow raising move was was moving on from a fetty but i think you're right there like that they may just sort of monitor that like let these guys compete and then um you know if, if they if a swing tackle they like sort of shakes loose at the end of training camp or in the preseason they may just scoop them up and, and go from there if, if one of these guys doesn't sort of take over the job and I'm not saying that it is like that the rumors are correct, that it was anything off the field. If they are, and I think I mentioned this in, in our Falcoholic Discord, uh, it always brings me back to one of my favorite quotes from the Falcon season <laughs> in Hard Knocks, back when it was Brian Cox, who was the star of that entire like you know season, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, you're not good enough to be an asshole. Or maybe that was Keith Armstrong. I can't remember. That. It was one of them, though. Yeah. Brian Cox had some bangers, too. But. Well, I think it was Keith Armstrong. It was, I think yeah. it was Armstrong in that um, in that episode where he, like, it opened up with him absolutely chewing out the special teams unit. You know, that was <laughs> that was some great television. But, yeah, it's um, – some guys are, are good enough to be assholes, like, for sure. Like, I'm yeah. not saying that they are, but, you know, let's say um, – you know, let, let's say that 
uh, Grady Jarrett, you know, it, it, it's found out to, that, you know, he's difficult to work with. All right, too fucking bad. It's Grady Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, you know, he's good yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's like the swing tackle, if, if it is true, like, you know, you, yeah. you should be on your best behavior. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. We did get a donation here from, from Scat. Uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. From what I hear, Grady Jarrett is absolutely he's lovely. lovely to work with. Yeah. I, I, I did not like, I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Adnan said that Grady Jarrett is, you know, t- hard to work. No, like Grady Jarrett yeah. is like fantastic. I was just using that as. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to clip that off. And uh, yeah. yeah. How good of a player Grady Jarrett is yeah, to the yeah. point where if he was an asshole, you know, he can be yeah. one. He's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, for, we got to get a $10 donation from Scat. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate that. All right. It says Colin Cowherd said recently that Frank Reich is the best coach in the NFC South. Personally, I was outraged. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's pretty bold considering Frank Reich just got fired. Um, now, I don't think that was really Frank Reich's fault, but um, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of competition, right? I mean, like we're obviously high on Arthur Smith, but the Falcons haven't had a winning record yet. So I think it's it's probably a little early to anoint Arthur Smith, I think. And then obviously the Saints with Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen is a hard coach to really put on a pedestal because he hasn't really had any success as a head coach ever. Um, and then the Buccaneers are going through just a gigantic mess. So I, they're not really, so it's really, it was probably going to be Arthur Smith or Frank Reich. Frank Reich obviously has the history on his side of being a, a good head coach. So I guess I'm not like outraged. I think, but I do think like Arthur Smith, if, if the Falcons actually do put it together this year and, and, and win, um, then Arthur Smith will probably be clearly the best coach in the NFC South. But it, it just, I guess I wouldn't be that upset, but what do you think? God, not, I mean, it's. Honestly, it's like one of those things where it's it's Colin Cowherd, it's the national media. Like they're never really gonna, Cowherd, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're never really gonna give the Falcons, you know, the respect, you know, that they sort of deserve until they prove that they deserve it. Like I personally, and we personally think that Arthur Smith is the best coach in in the NFC South, like without a doubt. But it's one of those things where. he's someone coming from the national media. Um, I think that Arthur Smith, what he did with the rosters from the Falcons the past couple of years has been impressive as hell, even getting seven wins out of that. But uh, they're not looking at it like that. Like, you know, guys like Cowherd, guys in the national media, they're just looking at it as, oh, Arthur Smith is, what, 14 and 20 as a head coach in his NFL career. I'm not I'm not too terribly upset that um that he ranked Frank Reich as number one just because Reich sure he did just get fired, but he does have a history of like pretty good success, especially compared to the competition. Like Todd Bowles has had five seasons as a head coach in his career, four with the Jets, one with the Bucks, I'm not counting that year where he was the interim with Miami. He has one winning season. Uh he had that first year in New York, he was 10-6, and six, and he still missed the playoffs that year. Dennis Allen has been a fucking garbage fire as a head coach in his NFL career. Like, I have no idea what the Saints are thinking even bringing him back. He went 4-12, and 4-12, and 12, and then 0-4 with the Raiders before last year going 7-10 and 10 with the Saints. Reich is the only person in the division who has multiple winning seasons under his belt, you know, he has multiple – he's the only one that has a playoff appearance uh, other than Bowles last year who made it as, as an under 500 team. Um, Reich, Reich was a hell of a coach in, in Indianapolis for, for a while there. I yeah. do think that he did like uh, – he, he, he got the short end of the straw, you know, a little bit with the Colts this last season. I don't think that that was all completely his fault. Um, but – you know he, you know he was, he was really good. He was really good with the Colts. He, he couldn't really win a playoff game. He had a couple chances, but he had three winning seasons. You know, in five years, and I think he's, I think he's a great play caller. I think, I think Frank Reich, he would definitely be my pick for the second best coach. You know, in my biased opinion, in, in the division. So I don't really have too much of an issue with. Right, right, being ranked as the top coach in the division. Yeah, I do think that the Panthers have assembled a really good coaching staff. I think that was one of the most impressive things they did this offseason. I just don't think we're going to see it really translate to wins this year. 
I mean, they traded so much away for, for Bryce Young and obviously rookie quarterback and that receiving core is bad. Um, so it, it's, we're probably not, it's not going to really translate this year, but I do think the Panthers are going to get uh, better. And I, I do like that coaching staff as a whole, but yeah, I'm not, I, I, I see where you're going there, Scat. Like, I mean, I, I think Arthur Smith probably should be, be considered the best coach so far but it's just like we haven't really we've like followed everything closely and we sort of know like oh well arthur smith is basically like squeezed blood out of a turnip to get this offense to being you know functional with basically nothing out there except for a couple first round picks um that's it so it's it's you know, I, I guess I'm not mad yet, but, you know, I would be mad if, like, Arthur Smith takes, like, wins the division and then they're still like, well, Frank Reich's still a better coach, you know, a- after this season. So we'll see. But I do think the Falcons have a great opportunity to sort of prove everybody wrong there. Um, let me read off some uh, of the other. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, the respect will come. Like, yeah. when like when this season and the respect will definitely come. Like, you know, I, I know that there was a lot of, gripes over I and mean, I know we'll talk about the schedule at another time but Falcons don't have a single uh nationally televised game on the schedule this season you know win the division win 10 games this year win the NFC South I promise you you'll get at least two or three nationally televised games next year you know win 10 games I promise Arthur Smith will be talked about as one of the better head coaches in the NFL uh, now it is ridiculous that the Packers got six. Like they, they're not deserving of fucking six nationally televised games. Like I, you know, I am salty that I now have to watch Jordan Love six times in prime oh time. God. You know, like like I, that's just going to be terrible viewing. Yeah. Um, you know, but but it is like, you know, I, I love Arthur Smith's answer to that when he was asked about it. He said, you know, you sort of just you know, we're going to go out there and try and earn it. Like you sort of have to yeah. go out there and earn that respect, earn those nationally televised games. I promise you if the Falcons this season go 11 and six, win the NFC South, maybe even win a playoff game. The talk from the national media next off season will be a lot more glistening and a lot more positive. We are here to, you know, sort of tell you or to do our best to try and tell you what's going to happen. You know, we're trying to be proactive with the Falcons. We're trying to be, you know, as objective as possible, as hard as that may be. But, you know, we follow this team very closely. And, you know, it's the same for uh, the sort of beats and the sort of uh, dedicated fan pages, dedicated websites to each of these teams. The national media looks at it more reactively. Uh, The national media talks about, you know, what have you proven? What have you done? Whereas we're looking at it like, all right, here's what the data is. You know, we're, we're close enough to this team. We've watched every snap. We sort of have a, a better idea to tell you what's probably going to happen. But, you know, that's, you know, I, I understand. It, it's harder for the national media to, because you have 32 teams to account for instead of one. It's a, it's a lot easier for us to just be focused on just the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have a lot more intel. And, like, we're not just, like, crazy homers either. Like, some of you may have joined the show this offseason, so this is the first, like, record predictions you're seeing us make. Or, you know, we're talking about the Falcons potentially being a winning team this year when everyone has counted them out. Last year, I predicted 6-11. and 11. They actually overperformed that. I predicted 5-12. Yeah, like, I yeah. predicted 5 wins last year. I was getting shit for it, but it's like I did not think that this would be a, <laughs> a team with a winning record. Yeah. So, like, we're, we're trying to tell you guys the truth, uh, and, like, sometimes we're probably going to end up too low, and sometimes we're going to end up too high. Maybe occasionally we'll get it right. Um, but, you know, it, it we're, we're, you know, trying to communicate to you what the national media probably isn't because they're just not that invested in the Falcons. Like, I know, you know, some people do enjoy the Falcons or think what they're doing is interesting. You know, I think CBS is one of those sites that has some analysts that are, like, intrigued by the Falcons. I know... Around the NFL, uh, some of those analysts on that show do really enjoy the idea of the Falcons or think they'll be fun. You know, like Greg Rosenthal has always, I think he was the one that coined the like, oh, the Falcons are frisky sort of phrase last year. Um, so like there are definitely some analysts that are seeing what the Falcons are doing and it's, they're like, oh, well, this is interesting that this could be something here. Um, so, you know, we're trying to also 
do that. <laughs> Obviously, if you're if you're here, you care pretty much about the Falcons because uh, that's pretty much the only team we, we talk about in detail. But let me read off um, some of these other moves. Uh, the other cuts, linebacker David Anenny, uh who was on the show. Uh, so shout out to David. I uh, hope that he catches on elsewhere. I was pretty disappointed. Uh, I was hoping to see him in training camp and catch up and, and um, hope that he'd have a chance to compete. But they're probably doing him a favor, honestly, because it was going to be really, really hard to make this team at edge um, with all the moves that they've made. So hopefully he can catch on elsewhere. Uh, cornerback Javelin uh, Guidry, um, who I actually thought would have a better shot at, at potentially making the roster because of his special teams ability. But again, they did add a cornerback in the draft and they traded for Jeff Okuda. Um, so, you know, writing maybe was on the wall there. They also cut last year's undrafted free agent um, sort of holdover and uh, Matt Hankins, who did stick around on the practice squad last year. Um, and then also uh, another practice squad guy from last year, uh, safety Dylan Mabin, uh, wide receiver Rashawn Henry, uh, who was a futures signing this offseason. And then uh, tight end fullback John Rain, who was mostly playing fullback in camp. He's someone that stuck around for a few years, so I was sort of surprised that they elected to move on from him. Any of those guys sort of stand out to you, Adnan? Uh, just John Ryan, to be honest. Uh, yeah. that's, it seemed like that's they really the liked him. Yeah, yeah, like, but I, I mean, I get it. Like with yeah. that tight end room is going to be a bit crowded uh, yeah. this season. Uh, you know, of course you have Pitts. Uh, you traded for John, who, uh, you even have Fitzpatrick from who you drafted last year in the sixth round as there to compete for that blocking role. So, I mean, I mean, I sort of get it, but you know, I'm, I'm a little shocked that he didn't make it to camp, but no, yeah. it's like, those, those are, I don't I I don't want to call them marginal names because that feels very disrespectful. And, you know, I just, I don't want to disrespect any of those guys, but you know, those aren't really, massive needle movers uh so right. to speak that's fair yeah that's fair um yeah i mean i i was sort of surprised by john rain but they did bring him in, bring in another fullback in clint rakovich to, to compete so it seems like they maybe like what they saw from rakovich a little bit more and and john rain is just measurables and like ras wise was always gonna have a really tough time um i mean i think his ras was like really really bad and he was like a six foot one tight end so that's why they were trying to make him a fullback definitely someone who was interesting um didn't really get a ton of pop in the preseason, but had managed to stick around in the practice squad for a couple of years. So, um, but yeah, uh, otherwise I, yeah, the guys and, and BJ Baylor, the running back, he was waived injured. So he may end up on IR or whatever, um, or they may do like an injury settlement with him, <clears throat> but that means he was, he was injured. It wasn't like a cut for, for performance related reasons. So, uh, we'll see and, if he does make a return at some point. And just speaking of fullbacks, Keith Smith also just got re-signed this offseason. Yeah, yeah, they still have Keith Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's still so the favorite, like... obviously. But um, yeah, and then the sign on the signings end, uh, eight signings come in. Um, linebacker Andre Smith Jr., um, who was a special teamer for the Titans for a few years, and a reserve linebacker, um, wide receiver Slade Bolden, who has a great name, was a pretty good receiver over at Alabama. Um, hasn't really caught on in the NFL yet. Um, defensive back Natrone Brooks, who I think is a UDFA this year, and defensive back uh, Clifford Chapman, a six foot five uh, cornerback, who I don't know if they're going to play him as safety. They listed him as defensive back, so he's kind of interesting. <clears throat> and then the uh, the XFL signings, offensive tackle Barry Wesley, safety Lucas Dennis, who was one of the best safeties in the XFL, and then uh, nose tackle Lakeo London. Um, to sort of add some depth to that nose tackle competition. Um, so yeah, any of those guys sort of interest you at all on, on, I don't, I haven't seen, I mean, I've seen Andre Smith for sure. And I remember Slade Bolden from college football, but I didn't really watch XFL a ton this year. Um, well, I do want to say that the Falcons sign more XFL guys than anyone else. Like the Falcons are doing their due diligence on these, you know, other football leagues, which is actually very promising, very encouraging because you never know, like, if any of these guys from the XFL, from the CFL, like end up being a solid depth guy that makes the roster, that's, yeah, you know, you've given yourself a little bit of an advantage over the other teams that aren't really doing this, you know, and, you know, this is the NFL we're talking about where any little bit, you know, matters a lot because 
everyone is competing with very similar resources, more or less. And anything extra you can gain uh, to get ahead of other teams is, you know, especially because of your own due diligence is so is so important. Uh, case in point, I think last year they went to the CFL and they got our guy D. Alford. And, you know, D. Alford was, you know, a, he had a hell of a, a training camp and he had a hell of a preseason. I think, you know, he was he was our guy during the preseason while we were doing play-by-play. And he ended up making the roster and, you know, he's probably going to be on the roster again this year. And that's that's good cornerback depth. Um, I'm interested in sort of intrigued by both of these XFL guys. Both of them came from uh, St. Louis. Uh, more so Lucas Dennis, the the safety uh, from, you know, from the Battle Hawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see he had, he had two picks in seven games. He had seven interceptions in 12 games in his junior year at Boston College. This was back in 2017. He's 26 years old. Didn't really make it in the NFL. I think he it was a training camp invite with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but, you know, he's he seems to be a bit of a ball hawk. I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh, yeah, I've watched extensive Lucas Dennis film. Uh, I'm <laughs> sorry grinding, I haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I've been grinding that, uh, that off-season film. Um, Lakeal London is, you know, another dude that actually sort of, quote-unquote, made the NFL. You know, he made Chicago's roster for a couple of years. So, yeah. um, you know, he's a very... You know, he's a he seems to be a very quick nose tackle. He's six foot five, three hundred sixteen, so he's not really, you know, massively bogged down. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- those would probably be the two names. It would be really cool to have like uh, one of these XFL guys, just, you know, make the roster. Um, but yeah. you know, Dennis sort of makes the most sense because this team does need some depth at safety, and you yeah. know, I do like ball hawking ability. No, no, I think you're you're absolutely right there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Lucas Dennis is interesting, and um, until they signed like a couple of, uh, like they brought in Trey Flowers. I don't know if they'll technically list him as a safety or a corner. I think they, when they signed him, they announced him as a corner, but he's someone that made play like quasi safety spot, and they drafted Demarco Helms, and they, but that there is potentially opportunity for someone to win like a fifth safety spot if they or, or compete for a fourth safety spot if they do keep five safeties. Um, so definitely opportunity for like Lucas Dennis there. Most of these guys realistically are, are competing for the practice squad, but I do think there's like realistic paths for those guys to make it. Um, like LaKeo London, the Falcons are going to keep a nose tackle on the squad, uh, to back up Eddie Goldman. So, you know, LaKeo London, all he has to do is get past, um, Timmy Horn from last year, um, who the Falcons definitely liked him and they kept him around all off se- all, all season, essentially. But you know, I never heard of that Timmy Horn fumble recovery against the Lions hey. in, uh, in week three of the preseason last year. You yep. know, that, that's the deep cut. Hey, that that's what set up that Desmond Ritter game winner to Jared Bernhardt. That's right. That was the best play of the entire preseason. So uh, we would definitely enjoyed talking about that. But um, I feel like this this crowd of our viewers who are watching right now are the only people that would get that reference probably. if I like. Yeah. You know, imagine you just like you're just in a group of your friends and you're just like mentioning. You know what Timmy Horn did in the fourth quarter of the third preseason game. Oh, yeah. th- this is a great segue to remind you guys that we will be doing preseason play-by-play this season again, yes. as as we have the past few years, uh, because the preseason schedule just came out. So yeah, yeah check out check Get out when those preseason are. Yeah, and we <laughs> will. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I feel like we do a pretty good job of that. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. our, no our nice play-by-play and uh, analyst chops. You know. Trying to trying to do our best, uh, Kevin Harlan and uh, you know, Tony <laughs> Romo, or you know, name your favorite analyst in the booth. Yeah, you know, we, we we just go up there and it'd be cool if we could, you know, go to the actual games. So Falcons hit us up, we'll definitely do it. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't. I mean, I we could go to cover it, but I'm probably not going to fly down there for for preseason. You know, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Look, no offense. Yeah, no, no offense. I, no offense. We do a better job. Than- and the TV guys and not yeah, like. yeah yeah sometimes sometimes for sure uh we have we have and we have some practice now you know the first time it was a little more exciting um but now now we've done it a few times we got it all under our belt so um yeah uh that was the the big signings there was also the quarterback Austin Oon or whatever or Austin Aun I don't know how you pronounce it it's like on maybe Austin on um 
I guess he was a former pitcher uh, who like went to the minor leagues for a few years uh, and then played football. After that didn't work out. So he's like a 29-year-old former pitcher quarterback. Um, so I'm not, you know, it's, I mean, it's like interesting. He's probably competing for the practice squad quarterback spot with Woodside, Toledo legend. Um, but yeah, uh, not expecting a ton of noise there. But yeah, in terms of those guys like Andre Smith, I think may you, you may even already have a leg up for the roster. I think he he's a guy that has played a lot of special teams and has played some defense too. I think he's a solid option there. So um, right now, like if they were going to keep a like he might even be the fourth linebacker right now um, on paper. So I think he's definitely got a good shot. Uh, you might you know I mentioned Lucas Dennis um, and then like at wide receiver. I mean honestly like Slade Bolden, you know the fifth wide receiver spot is basically or six if they keep six like could be anyone like it's completely wide open. So um, there's always, always an opportunity for a wide receiver on this team, uh, which could be good every or bad, year, depending. Every yeah. year it's the most <laughs> exciting position, like every yeah. single year without fail. Yeah. So they, you know, there's plenty of opportunity there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think more, more, more or less, you know, this is going to be the, the training camp roster, at least going in. Um, I know, uh. Yeah, I think there were some like sl- small reports coming out of of like rookie minicamp. I mean, obviously it's mostly rookies in media face. So we don't get to see a ton of the actual Falcons at that point. But I know like Tory McElhaney was very complimentary of Zach Harrison um, and like how big he is, which is you know, yes, he absolutely is. <laughs> George Costanza is Felipe Frank still on the roster? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Felipe so, Franks. I know people were very upset about that. Felipe Franks will survive a nuclear like catastrophe and he will come out of the rubble with a, a Falcons jersey on him. Yeah. He, somehow, some way, he will. He will find a way. Um, Arthur Smith is just, I don't like, there will. This is a long game for Arthur Smith. He wants Felipe Franks for that one gadget play at the end of like whatever. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, this will be a four or five season long project just for that one play. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be worth it. Maybe maybe it'll win us a playoff game. Yeah. I don't know if it's like he wants him to be the third emergency quarterback or something. I don't know if it's something like that. So this is why we need that like third. Like if they got that third quarterback rule, then, you know, may, maybe that would eliminate the need for that. But it doesn't seem like that's going to pass this year. running Exclusive triple option in one of those preseason. I games. enjoyed that actually. That was more fun um, than the the rest of the series <laughs> for a while. That was actually pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, no, it, it shouldn't be a a big thing. But yeah, I mean, you look down up and down the roster. Um, you know, we we wide receiver probably still a weak point, right? I, I wonder. You know, obviously we've talked about hashtag Corey Davis watch quite a bit. Um, but they did bring in quite a few guys there recently, right? Like Penny Hart got signed. Georgia uh, State Slade, legend. Yep, Georgia State legend. Uh, Slade Bolden, we just mentioned. They did bring in quite a few UDFAs there as well with like uh, Justin Marshall, who I know a lot of people on here know about. Uh, also Xavier Malone, who's like a speed guy. And then Keelan Harris um, as well. Um, but they're like that fifth or sixth, if they keep six wide receiver spots, are basically wide open. Like I think it's like Drake... London, obviously, Mac Hollins, Scotty Miller, Kaderil Hodge, it's four. And then after that, it could be any of those guys. I mean, who are you sort of – we haven't really seen a lot of these guys play except for maybe like Penny Hart and like, uh, you know, he we, he played quite a bit for the Seahawks. But and, you know, Jared Bernhardt's here too. Like who are you sort of – like super early, you see all these names. Any Anyone that you're sort of like sort of planting your flag early uh, for, for – oh, yeah. oh, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely – I planted my flag on – Penny Hart for sure. You know, that's yeah, Georgia that's State Legend. Mater. Yeah, that's my alma mater. Yeah. Okay. Too. Yep. Yeah. Like I, you know, I finished my undergrad and my master's degree at Georgia State. You know, it's, you know, we don't get many, uh, you know, we don't get many NFL players. You know, we have Will Lutz, but he plays for the Saints, which sucks. So I can't even root for him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely let's go Penny Hart on this one. He, he was really good at GSU. Like he didn't really have a strong quarterback play. But he is someone that sort of elevated the offense as much as he could. And I think he had a really good pro day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like um, yeah, he he has some experience. Uh, I I think it it does help. He has he has some experience with the Seahawks. Nothing extensive, but you know, I definitely, you know, that that's who I'm. That that's who I'm biasly rooting for, uh, for that fifth wide receiver spot. And you know, I continue, I continue to have a soft spot for Jared Bernhardt. You know, I I yeah. hate that he had that injury last season because, you know, he did, he did a hell of a job last preseason. Like you can tell, he had some, he had some real chemistry with uh, with Ritter for a little bit there because it wasn't just that play, uh, it, it was that play against the Lions which opened it up. And then I think against the Jets, Bernhardt really like, you, you know, Ritter really started trusting him a bit more. Uh, so uh, I don't know if that'll play into it, but Bernhardt has a bit of a leg up because, you know, he's been in the system for a year. He knows, you know, he should know all of the playbook by now. And, you know, he should have that little bit of chemistry with, with the Ritter, especially, you know, probably in practice, they were both on the second team. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. It's nothing. It's not a huge lead, uh, but I would say Bernhardt right now should be the favorite. You know, logically, but obviously, like until training camp begins and until we actually start seeing these guys on the field, we can only speculate. Um, yeah, I'm frozen. Yeah, your video is, but I can still hear you just fine. It's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I just looked. Holy crap! I'm frozen. It's that's hilarious. It's just like the perfect pose too. It's great. Yeah, that's not a flattering picture of me at <laughs> it's all. It's just oh like, oh uh, yeah. Well, you know, Daniel yeah, Flick see. froze uh, on the live show. And he made that his like uh, Twitter background. So uh. <laughs> it was a good shot. But um, uh, yeah, look, look, guys, I promise I do not have my like arm behind. I don't look very like <laughs> just showing off the gun show again. Yeah. It is a hell of a pose. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm enjoying that actually. So yeah, I mean. We're going to have a lot of shows to talk about each of these positions. We're probably going to do some breakdowns and stuff as we go forward. And we'll have OTAs and stuff to talk about, too. But, you know, early on. Um, the chat's talking about Frank Darby. Yes. I'm sorry. I think that ship is sale, guys. I'm sorry. He's still here, man. Like, give him credit. He's I think everyone here. I think everyone just loves him. Like, apparently he's just really fun. So, I don't know if that's enough at this point to keep him around. But that has definitely helped him stick on the practice squad, at, at least. Okay, will this unfreeze? Holy crap. Yeah, All right, did. there it is. Yeah. <laughs> All I needed to do was turn off my camera and turn it back on. Yep. Oh, the technology. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I had Bernhardt making it in my last one. That was before the Penny Hart and Slade Bolden and all that. I mean, I still think Bernhardt has a pretty good shot if they're looking for more of that like slot specialist for that last spot. You know, I don't really know how good on special teams Bernhardt would be. Um, That's really probably going to be the, the kicker for that. Like, a lot of people think those final receiver spots are about, like, receiving ability. And, like, to some extent, obviously, they are. Like, you do have to check a box there. But a lot of times, those fifth and sixth wide receiver spots are for special teams players. Um, So that's going to be a big part of it. Um, Although, in fairness, Hodge is there as a special teams. Yeah, exactly. So he's sort of their, like, specialist guy. Yeah. Um, So I think you can sort of, like... Because you have Hodge, uh, who is your number four wide receiver, you know, being such a good gunner. And, uh, you know, that's statistically he had nine tackles on special teams last year that led the team. Yep. Um, I think you can sort of look and give yourself, you know, lean a little bit more toward that pure receiving ability. Obviously, you still need him to be a good special teams player. But, you know, I don't know. Bernhard was he was an OK gunner like as far as from what I saw in training camp last year um, as well. So, you know, they had that little gunner drill uh, off to the side on, on the last day that I was there. And I think he had a really good rep, but you know, yeah, you are right. We special teams is going to be very important. And this team has really prioritized special teams more than any other regime that I've ever seen, which is, you know, a nice change of pace. Um, But yeah, like all all we can do is speculate. Remember last year, remember Remember how we thought we thought Auden Tate was going to be like the guy last year after we signed him? Like you know, has that experience with the bank? Maybe he'll be the number three wide receiver. Uh, we we spent so much of the show talking about Auden Tate. Then he comes out in training camp, looks like the slowest guy on the field. 
Like, you know, he's one of the biggest wide receivers out there, but he just looks a step slower than everyone else. You know, I think he made, like, I think he was cut before the second preseason game. He didn't even make the last wave of cuts. Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just it didn't work out, uh, unfortunately, for, for him. But, yeah, this year it's like, I think they they went in a different direction, obviously. Receiver and and it's like uh you know, um, what's Brian Edwards didn't end up doing anything either, which was pretty surprising. And, and they traded they traded a pick for him. Yeah, so you never really know what you're gonna get there. I certainly like some of these players. I like uh, Xavier Malone that UDFA signing. Um, I think he's really interesting. I think he's a a guy that could make some noise. Uh, that's a guy from Buffalo, right? No, that's uh, Justin Marshall. Xavier Malone's from Henderson State. Just uh, yeah, Google's Xavier Malone on YouTube and watch his his like highlight reel. It's really funny. I think he he's reported to run in the four twos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, I know, he's I know small. exactly. Yeah. What you're talking about. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. That's but like, the, like yeah. We he's didn't like get Yost five this. seven. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, 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 the guy. The, the guy who can take the top off the defense. Yeah, I, I got him confused. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's a good one. That's a really good one because you his, know right, his like yards after catch were actually pretty good. Like I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this receiving core. That's the only thing that this receiving core is really missing right now. Uh, you know that guy, and, and I know that everyone wants to like shit on the wide receivers. Um, Kyle Pitts is going to be your wide receiver one. I promise you Kyle Pitts will line up as the X more than he does as a traditional tight end this season. Um, and, you know, Drake London's your wide receiver one, but he's actually your wide receiver two, you know, as a result. But, yeah, this this receiving court does need that guy who can really get behind the defense. It's the, the Demir Bird role from last year. Yeah, and they got Scotty Miller too, who's fast, is very fast. Uh, I think he's like 4-3 type of guy. So they've got some options there. And again, like for this team, wide receiver is just sort of de-emphasized. So it's not as important as it is for, for some teams. But, you know, it's going to – the Falcons are going to have to prove that that works before anyone starts taking it seriously. Because right now everyone's like, oh, well, they don't have any receivers. So, you know, this offense is not going to be able to pass the ball at all. Um, so it's, you know, it's sort of up to them to, to prove that they can, right, that they could, that they don't that they don't need all those wide receivers that they can have tight ends and have whatever. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do it, right. How it comes together. This is going to be a really fun camp, of course, to watch. We've still got a ways to go until we get there guys, but, um, we'll, we'll be here. We'll be here to get you to shepherd you through the dead period. We're probably going to do a schedule show next week, assuming we don't get any crazy news to derail that. Um, so we'll actually talk about the schedule release. Cause I know we were out of town for that. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it'll be an interesting couple of months here. Uh, we're going to kick off the, the training camp fundraiser soon and, and get going on that stuff and, and sort of, you know, get you guys prepped probably starting in July for training camp with a lot of training camp coverage. And we'll still have podcasts going. We'll have some guests coming on uh, to talk about, you know, the Falcons offseason, how everything's come together, what, what we sort of think about the roster going into camp, all those fun topics. Uh, before we do, though, want to thank my co-host Adonikic at Say Which Way. For his contributions tonight, Adnan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Uh, yeah, um, a couple of things. Uh, the main thing that I would love to plug right now is, and you know, this went a couple weeks ago, but if you haven't like checked it out, please check out my article talking about the uh, the Falcons run game. Yeah. And uh, you know, I went in serious depth, you know, mm-hmm. about how the NFL is sort of moving away from the the run game and how the Falcons are very much embracing it. Um, it's called while the NFL moves away from the run, the Falcons are doubling, uh, doubling down on making it their identity. I think I wrote it. I wrote it before I wrote it uh, after like our last show. So I didn't really have a chance to plug it last week. Um, but you know, it's, it has a lot of really good information in there. I was really buzzed buzzed out on caffeine, which I had not had in like days before. <laughs> so I had no tolerance to it. So I was like drinking a coffee while writing it. And I was like super like hyped Just up. Just cranking it out. Yeah. Well, I was cranking out so much like so, so many stats. And, you know, I, at one point I went back 
through every single draft class going back to 1960, you know, for one of the reasons for the article. So yeah, just uh, yeah, check that out. I it has a lot of really good information. It, it was a lot of uh, painstaking research, a lot of painstaking writing, but I, I think it has a lot of good information in it. Just talking about what the Falcons may do moving forward, you know, regarding the run game and just sort of looking at, at the way the run game has been devalued as a whole in the NFL uh, and how the Falcons are trying to take advantage of that. And the other uh, article that I recently wrote that went a couple of days ago is the, the rest breakdown for the Falcons in 2023, basically looking at the specific weeks when the Falcons will have more of a rest advantage against the opponent versus when the opponent will have more of a rest advantage. I'm, this is my second year writing that one. So I'm trying to make it into a tradition of just always, you know, going a bit deeper and reading a bit more between the lines regarding the schedule itself, uh, you know, after, after the schedule uh, gets released. So, you know, definitely check that one out. Uh, there's, there's some good information in there, but you know, if you have to read one, then definitely read the running one instead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely check that article out, guys. It's got a lot, uh, a lot of work pulled into it. That's a, a definite uh, non-banger alert uh, for those that that enjoy uh, that. Um, and there's definitely been like a lot. I haven't even gotten caught up on everything. I definitely read odd nons, but I think like Aaron Freeman had something about Ritter. Um, I know there was like a two-part Tyler Algier interview yeah, that Alan Stark did. Um, so. But there's all kinds of great content on there. I feel like, you know, we probably should have spread that out a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit more. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. You can always go back and read it. We'll all just... of that went within like a week. Like, yeah. we didn't plan that out a lot at all. No, it's like just May. Like it's like banger, that. banger, banger, and then like nothing for two months now. So. <laughs> yeah, like it could've, we could have easily spread that out over like the next month and just yeah. like, you know, giving it room to breathe. But, you know, just that's, unleashed uh... upon everyone. Uh, but, it's good stuff, guys, so definitely check that out. Uh, definitely like and subscribe if you're watching us here on YouTube. Really appreciate that. That stuff helps us out a lot. Uh, give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice if you're listening on the podcast audio. Check out the community Discord server, uh, link to which is in the show description. And if you're interested in supporting the show, hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash uh, for all those exclusive perks like ad-free episodes, uh, as well as exclusive Q&A sessions. Uh, we did our live Q, uh, patron mock draft keep that going uh we'll also have some patron events likely throughout the the summer and of course our patron fantasy leagues which we filled up two last year so i wonder if we'll get to three this year well we'll see how that goes but uh those are a lot of fun so if you want to partake in that uh you can get involved right now uh so patreon.com slash falcoholic lies got falcoholic live guys i gotta slow those last couple words down there it's a, you know I'm, I'm rusty not doing the show for like a week or two so um but yeah, guys, you can follow me, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin. Thanks again for tuning in to the Falcoholic Live tonight. The show is presented, of course, by BetOnline.ag. Uh, yeah, guys, really appreciate everyone for hanging out, all 100-plus of you, uh, as we enter the, the dead period. But we'll keep it interesting. We'll keep the topics and the Falcons talk flowing uh, all through the summer until we finally reach the oasis that is training camp. Uh, but until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your evening. We will talk to you next time on the Falcoholic Live have a great night, folks. Good night, guys.